You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I pick up where we left off last week, talking to Casey Taylor of Civic Science about quantitative research. How does civic science help researchers understand consumers in ways yet to be considered? Are consumer perceptions reality? How do outdoor recreation participants feel about forever chemicals? Let's get into it. We have this really cool thing at Civic Science. It's called the Well-Being Index, um, where I this is this is uh, Brian Carilla, who's a PhD on our staff in behavioral uh, psychology great researcher and watching him with our data set is just like it's so fun because he knows how to tie kind of he he ties in the hierarchy of need stuff that he understands very uniquely from his studies with our kind of sentiment questions and one of the things he helped create was the well-being index where we take these questions where we're asking people how much they felt sadness, happiness, stress, worry, fear, excitement, all these things over the past week. Um, and then we normalize them on a 100 point scale where 50 is like just average, well, mental and emotional well being. Right. And so then we're able to track whether or not, on as a whole, like American well being is up or down. And obviously during the pandemic, that was a fairly interesting thing to watch i mean are you you, it sounds like you're getting normal distributions on almost all of that so have you seen the i mean have you seen the mean move back and forth because of the pandemic or the median move back and forth because of pandemic it's been crazy and like watching it move back and forth during like specific news events even like um you know we just had the anniversary recently of uvalde like it was insane watching it during that time it was the russia ukraine war we actually uh one of the things brian did was taking a look at major news events and seeing which ones had the greatest impact and the russia ukraine war was like for 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 weeks it was a really big uh, uh gulf between like the normalized even line and and underneath it and then there were other things that were big events in the news like the crash of silicon valley bank that the average person uh, did not care about actually they didn't get upset which it was kind of <laughs> funny because i was working in the startup world all you that was all you heard about and then like when we checked the wellness thing we we're like people must be freaking out we got another recession coming and nobody cared maybe what right. about the debt have you looked at it for debt ceiling? I mean, we we avoided a default, you know. Uh, but was that was that impactful? I will. It was, but I uh, it, there nothing will discourage you more from the American political state than watching how that emotional well being was just dictated by tribal instinct. It was just like when there was a good news day for Republicans, those folks were loving it, and then vice versa. So it's just it, that. There, it did impact it, but like not in any way that I would call meaningful other than like, you know, people just wanting their team to win. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're very tribal, as you yeah, say. Yeah, we get we get that where you see like where I'm always really interested, like you see a lot more of the cross political emotional well-being impact on like on like Russia, Ukraine is like a really good example on like what I would call material uh, news events that are impacting human lives like very directly right things like politics yeah like it moves the needle 
in our emotional well-being stuff, but it actually moves the needle more on economic sentiment than anything else. Um, that's where you see it really make an impact. It's like, oh, the debt ceiling, for example, it, it might not have much on our uh, emotional well-being, but it's going to have a huge impact over the next two weeks on our economic sentiment index based on between Democrats and Republicans, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, I was thinking about that this morning when the jobs numbers came out because they were confusing. Um I I don't even know what to say. And that that is a huge number of jobs created, huge yeah, was, number. Like I I don't understand any of it anymore. I think <laughs> I keep telling myself at some point in the next six months it'll start making more sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, but, maybe. I don't know. It could but, be like the weather. It could be like climate. I mean, the variables are changing. The variables yeah. are dynamic. That's that's what makes it Ooh, challenging. Is we've got we've got to figure out um, what what variables are new in our model. Um, yeah, and. What, and and why they're having any kind of impact but yeah we're, i'm now i'm super geeking out well but that is yeah. it's fun to think about because we have sup, such a probabilistic global economy that really like what we're watching too is a regression to the new inputs to the model which yeah. hopefully yeah. Uh, hopefully happens before things get really bad <laughs> you know <laughs> well this is why you know i'm Maybe AI could take this over. I'm pretty sure. AI well, this is this is why we're me. this is why you learn how to live outdoors. You know, this is why we're all going thorough. So, uh, hell yeah, and you better learn how to make a fire. <laughs> but but to that end, what was cool about the so the the well being index being what it is, it's it's interesting to watch it move. We can filter it by different cohorts. But one of the other things we can do, similar to the mountain biking example, is actually tie well-being movements to specific things like whether someone's eating healthy or unhealthy whether they're seeing people frequently and getting out all that kind of stuff so like we were able to um we ran a quick look at over the last like i think this is over a period of the last six months or so um, but we looked at the emotional well-being index um, and then compared it against various versions of self-care um, and those, I'll just list them off real quick, but it was like people that engage in creative hobbies as self-care, people that eat something they love, people that exercise, that listen to music, that do like meditation, mindfulness, people that spend time in nature, salon, spa, et cetera. Anyway, the interesting ones here and the ones that I think it's like another thing that as someone who's into nature and the outdoors is like a duh thing for me. But like for other folks that maybe don't do it and don't know what it's like and haven't experienced it, it's like, you know, spending time in nature was the second most influential thing to a positive emotional well-being above the mean for the average U.S. adult. Um, the biggest, the most influential factor was spending care with or spending time rather with your family and friends and stuff like that. Like that's still the largest one. But what's really interesting is like spending time in nature out of all the emotions it impacts the most. It reduces fear and it reduces sadness. And fear in particular, we've seen is like the one that really leads to mental health concern, like people being concerned about their mental health and spending time in nature aside from friends and family, like that is the biggest thing it influences is it it significantly reduces people's fear. I have my own, I don't have a good research answer for why that's happening. I have my own personal reasons for why I think that's happening from camping. And I think like what nature imparts on you when you actually like watch it and feel like you're part of it instead of like in a concrete 
block, you know, but like, uh, but I do, I find that stuff really fascinating in general, like our ability to kind of even look at, like, I'll be completely honest. Sometimes our data gives me healthier habits. Like I get outside <laughs> more when I started seeing this stuff. When I saw that like runners were like happy, I was like, ah, maybe I should start jogging again in like 2020. It's like everyone started jogging during the pandemic. I was like, well, okay, let me give it a shot. And it worked, you know, like there's, there's some stuff that I'll sometimes pick up that I'm like, yeah, I should give that a try. You know, that's nice. You know, who's the happiest? walkers of all things yeah huh yeah go figure dude walking is the best i love it ever since the thing that i here's a here's a tip for all you folks out there that aren't walking but would like to i started learning about trees and flowers like reading about botany and ever since every walk is so cool because you just are like oh now i know what that plan is and it's different than that one how'd that get here you know it's like a whole it Maybe this is unique to my dumb brain, but like it just sets off a whole chain reaction of like, oh, that's cool. I do, dude, I do the same thing. I do. I bet Patrick does too. Yeah. And yeah. I'm thinking the <laughs> listeners, the folks who tune into like an industry research podcast might be in a similar position where they're like interested and curious and, <laughs> yeah, and questioning. That's true. So I think we, we might have self-selected into the, the right group here. Yeah. I actually <laughs> have to, I have to limit my time when I log in. Because I will go for hours just to keep, you know, just keep rolling down the hill on new questions, new questions, new questions. Like, what does this mean? What is this something that my industry can use? And, you know, and sometimes I end up in a, in interesting spaces on civic science. We were asking, you know, specifically about brands, which is super valuable. And there are plenty of outdoor brands with questions that are in your database, including a lot of footwear, for example. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just thinking about how my OIA members would use the data, it would be to see, you know, what are consumers thinking about something specific about running and understanding running consumers? Are they happier? Yes, they tend to be happier. Um, they tend to use less cannabis than anybody, which is kind of fascinating to me. Yeah, this, these little nuggets about your consumer group can be very valuable in helping to engage with your customers, whether you're a retailer or supplier. But, you know, some of the some of the deeper dives into brand authenticity and brand data and brand data in specific categories is super valuable, too. So it, it when as a client of civic science, I have a certain number of questions that I can ask each year. And um, those are precious, by the way, very precious questions. And once I ask those questions, they're added to the overall database. That's part of the deal. So. Mm -hmm. Any, all of your clients, I assume, are asking some question, and that allows me to look at at really interesting and specific data in your database. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, like we basically, there's two different ways at it. Like you have, like you personally, but also a lot of our clients have like the ability to ask proprietary custom questions, so like no one else would be able to see it. Like we still have all the bespoke stuff you'd want out of a research house, where like you know we can protect your data. We're not giving on away to folks but like we also do have sometimes where a client comes to us with a request and usually if maybe they don't have the incremental budget or something for a private request we say something like well we could put it in the syndicated data set now we're not going to go tell our other clients that company xyz introduced this question but everyone will be able to see it right so like is that and then usually yeah, nobody I, I cares no unless it's something yeah. really yeah, unless it's something really sensitive, nobody cares. So then we get it into the syndicated data set. And yeah, then it's like you're suddenly looking at a very custom way of of almost like an industry insider way of looking at the consumer marketplace 
that I think it becomes really valuable for that reason, because it was informed by someone who is like an influential decision maker in the industry and how they want to see it. All of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, this is a pretty smart way of looking at it. Maybe we should explore this a little bit more, you know? Um, yeah, it's fun. absolutely. It is. It is super fun. And it, and it's a conversation driver. I, it, it allows me to, to support other data. Like my participation data allows me to support that with consumer insights and, and allows me to support economic data with consumer insights. So it, it actually humanizes a lot of the data that we're reporting on about the health of our industry and gives you insight into how that these trends are affecting the consumer, the outdoor consumer specifically. Yeah, I, th- I think what I've really found over time that's interesting and unique about our shop and our, our tool is like, we can do all the hard line metrics that people love. We can do the brand tracking and we do it, right? But like, what's cool about our, our stuff is then housed in the same data set, you can go as far in any direction as you'd like. And like, we have stories from, you know, here's like, here's like two completely unrelated uh metrics but one of our like earliest like head turner in the deck when jd used to do his road show that's our ceo is john dick our founder um is uh one reasons that none of us understand there is a huge correlation between kia fandom the kia like the car Mm -hmm. and gary Busey fandom and we could yeah seriously (laughs) and like Honestly, a lot of it was, you mentioned cannabis earlier. Some of that was like a proxy for like Kia appealed to under 25 specifically. That's who they are going after. It was like stoners that knew of Gary Busey being funny because he's like a, well, that was, you know, it was late period Gary Busey where the period is in now where he's very open about his mental issues and his art and stuff. Right. So like it was a, it was a weird correlation, but it worked out. We had a local car dealership in Pittsburgh use Gary Busey as their as his as their spokesman, and it was very helpful for them. But then we have other correlations, you know, that are actually like indicative of something more interesting that we use with like our healthcare clients. Like, for example, if you have an Android phone, you are significantly more likely to die of heart disease. And it is not because of your Android. It's because in rural areas, which is more highly correlated with Android phone usage, you tend to have lower and poorer health outcomes, higher cholesterol, higher sodium. It was basically a proxy for the unfortunate and bleak reality of healthcare for the underserved in America, right? So then it becomes more of a, for a lot of our healthcare and insurance clients, like, hey, we need to take a closer look at this, like, and and actually building out a persona that can be useful for, you know, proactive public health rather than also just like the silly stuff that's like, hey, marketers, like you're trying to turn heads and get people to pay attention. Well, this audience loves this kind of stuff, right? Like, and you could do all of that in the same warehouse, which is just very unique, I found. I Yeah, I agree. I've, lately, I've been using it to look at um, consumer perceptions of PFAS, which are, you know, a group of really about 9,000 different kinds of chemicals, mm-hmm. um, basically where we have as as mankind, um, artificially fused carbon and is it, I want to say silica. What am I? What am I getting wrong here? Carbon and come on, Casey, help me. me out. Is this the forever chemicals thing? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't remember which specific elements go into it, other than the forever chemicals aspect of it. I apologize. 
Yeah, it's just they're called forever because because their chemical bonds are artificial and very very difficult to break down, and they make yeah. everything waterproof. And they, I mean, they're in they're in your cosmetics, they're in your mascara, they're in your lipstick, they're in your cookware, they're in the interior of your car, and they're also in waterproof outdoor gear. Yeah, and that includes apparel and and um, footwear and every bit of gear you've got basically. So that has been super helpful. Civic science has been super helpful in helping us understand not only um, how concerned outdoor consumers are and comparing that with non-outdoor consumers to see if that nature connection is actually helping us find a, a more educated crowd or that crowd is actually educating themselves more about what sustainability and found that yes, a little bit. But the other thing we found when we did that analysis was um, and this is true of outdoor and non-outdoor, that concern was actually higher than awareness of PFAS. And I've made the, yeah, I've made the the comment that PFAS has become the gluten of outdoor. It's just sort of everything bad and we just don't understand it. But um, it was it was really interesting to see that that relationship where we've got high levels of concern, low levels of awareness about what's going on. And and that's sort of a recipe for for disaster if we're not. Yeah, yeah. I I think I've I think that correlation is interesting, too, because of the high correlation between not all of them. This isn't true for hunting and fishing, but a lot of uh, outdoor recreation like trail skateboard stuff like that, which is like it doesn't surprise me to hear because that's a lot of folks who just reject the FDA, like on principle. <laughs> so they're already <laughs> basically like, oh, a corporation made that. I don't trust it. You know, yeah. so it's and and I think with outdoor, that's that's more prevalent than with most industries. So it is something that like people have to be aware of. And they're like, I remember I was talking to uh, someone in the, the, the Homewares Association about Forever Chemical, and they have a much different perspective on it, because as you can imagine, in retail homewares, there's not as strong of an a baked in almost political ideology to shopping at target. Right. Well, not until the last week. Right. But like now then, then there was, there is somewhat for at least a significant portion of the outdoor industry, kind of an ideology that goes back to like, you know, we have joked about Thoreau earlier, but like Thoreau and Teddy Roosevelt and all those naturalists in the American tradition that were unfortunately for the modern world where we have to have people fit into that box like we're not really a liberal or a conservative there was a combination of those folks over the past 150 years like it's just naturalism kind of transcends political boundaries because it has to do with the earth and everyone knows we only got one of those so you know you got to take care of but it not not everybody not yeah not well not everybody <laughs> not everybody wants to realize it some people think we're gonna go live in mars good mm -hmm. luck yeah, it's well. It's been very interesting to to dive into the consumer's head when it comes to things like forever chemicals, um, and I think that's that's where I find a lot of value. And at the at my level, where I've got to describe, you know, generally what's going on and what what people are aware of, what trends are are happening that correlate with the trends that I know my industry is trying to to push on. Um, and yeah, sustainability like what, is one of those things. One of my least favorite sayings in the world is perception is reality because it's not reality is reality. But when it comes to consumers, you know, like the thing that I try to explain to folks is like, you know, forever chemicals being a, is a really good example of it. Cause sometimes you'll talk to someone in, in one of the industries about, it and they're like, but I don't understand because how, how come these people don't understand that 
in this specific context is actually not harmful. And it's, and I'm like, dude, you have been in 30 hours of meetings about this specific topic for the last week. You're talking about a person that saw a headline on USA Today and made their up their mind from there. You are thinking too much into it. You're not thinking like a consumer. You're thinking like an executive or a strategist. But like that's not how you're thinking when you go to Whole Foods. You're thinking about that's the food I want to buy. Like you don't, you got, and that I always tell people on my team that as like just a mentorship thing in research is like you have to think like a strategist when you're reading the brief, but when you're doing the digging and doing the analysis, you got to think like the consumer. You got to think like how you are when you're shopping for stuff. Yeah. You know, honestly, just go out and find a bunch of eighth graders and just start asking them questions <laughs> and see what they know. And you're pretty, I mean, or someone with a, you know, an eighth grade mentality, which is not hard. It's not hard. Yeah, but I yeah, work at, I work at civic right. science. You can email me anytime. I think I'm actually <laughs> on a seventh grade mentality. I'll get to eighth grade in the next few years. Yeah, you know, is it five o'clock yet? Give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it is it is I just love having this this huge data lake. And it's really a data ocean. I don't know. Is anybody saying data lake anymore? I don't know. But it's it's pretty amazing to be able to dive into that and and really start to understand. Um, consumers in in ways that you didn't expect to understand them and in serious ways and in just sort of data snacky, interesting ways that would allow you to better engage with their customers or better understand who's walking through your retail doors and find a way to engage with them more easily on their terms. Uh, and, you know, I would guess that we could probably correlate that to higher sales. That would be my guess. So that's yeah. that's my goal is to help my members increase their bottom line and just better understand their consumers. And actually, you know, this is useful when we're segmenting consumers too. So to, just to get a, a better look into what you've decided your segments are going to be and how they might react and how they do react in the real world. So there are a lot of different ways to use civic science. Um, again, my members, OIA members, have some special access, a, a, a bit of a landing page and a monthly research roundup that basically digests some interesting trends and and information about really serious topics like PFAS and sustainability and um, nature connection, mental health, physical health of outdoor participation and what that means to us as an industry. In addition, I'm just going to suggest if you, if this if this sort of intrigued you and you want to see what it's like to answer some civic science questions or get an idea, go to their website. It, they you can answer questions for like, and I'll do this to relax myself, right? And I hate taking surveys. I will go and answer about 20 questions. It's super fun. You answer the question. It's about you know who knows, and then you see the results of that. And you're like, oh, that's cool. And then more questions, and it's 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 kind of a good way to sort of get introduced and think about what civic science is trying to do and how powerful it can be. Um, so with that, Casey, um, you know, is there anything that you want to say to, and mostly I think our audience are people in the industry thinking about things like this every day. Is there anything you want to say to them? Oh God. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I would say that I think one of the cool things about outdoor particularly is based on our data. It's one of the few retail things where you might actually be making someone more happy. <laughs> so like, <laughs> to the like, actually, so I say that as a way of someone who's worked in marketing and heard various levels of like guilt throughout the years from different people that work in. It's like, I think working in outdoor is a blessing because like that is a genuine place where you can enable 
in improvement of quality of life. And there's a handful of clients and categories that get to do that. And those are the ones I also always like working on the most because it's like there's nothing like research that you can relate to as like a person, you know, and and sometimes when you're working on certain brands, if you're a 36 year old fella in Pittsburgh, that's not always the case, you know, but that's, it's, it's, that's what I would always like people to consider is like, I always want folks to think about ethnography when they're also thinking about quant, you know, never forget that there's an ethnography on the other side of the person answering that quant survey, you know, and everyone's a person and you should treat them like people. And I think in outdoors, at least you're lucky enough that you get to do that in the natural course of your job, which is pretty good. That is pretty cool. And I got to say, Casey, you're, you're a researcher's researcher. I love uh, that. You're, you're like, you're like, you're like one of my bricks, man. You're who I go to when I need so to think about you. It's true. You're amazing. And, and Thank I just, I'm, I'm super happy you came on the podcast and I want to tell the people out there that can't see Casey. Um, Casey is, he's outdoor core, man. He's That's got, right. he's got, it's got kind of a lumberjack look, I think, you know, so I've gotten Casey, that a few times. You're, yeah. You're looking the part. What do you do outdoors? What do you like to do? I skate. I love skating. I just, I actually only started about a year ago because I was a basketball player for a long time. My answer was going to, would have been basketball before the pandemic. But then when the pandemic happened, I couldn't get a game. And also like I have three kids, which means like sometimes, you know, for hoops, it's like you'd have Wednesday night is your hoops night. But like if the kid's sick on Wednesday, then I miss hoops for a whole week. And, you know, so like skating, I have found to be, it checks like all the boxes. It's like, I get to use my body, you know, like I do as an athlete and also be outside. It's like a sensory experience this is so damn loud when the wheels are grinding on the pavement that you can't hear anything except your own thoughts. It's like, I love it. Plus up here in it, where I live in Pittsburgh, there's like this little, uh, this little like walking community right near us. And I started skating there thinking they were going to get mad at me, but they like really like it. And they, I'm like the mayor now. It's right all these on. like retirees. They're like, Hey, there they wave at me and stuff. So it's <laughs> sick. I have, I have mixed reviews on my skating here in my hometown. Um, it seems like, it seems like the, like, yeah, the, the women 25 to 45 hate me. Mm. Um, everybody else loves me. Go figure. <laughs> They're jealous. People, are, you know, listen, I will say that's the one thing you find with skating is like all the skaters love the other skaters, but everyone else, you get a lot of haters. They're just very jealous that you were willing to humiliate yourself over and over until you could look cool enough by staying up on the board. Cause yeah, it was a painful first few months for sure. <laughs> I learned how to skate when I was a kid. We lived on in San Diego. We lived on a hill. And Oof. basically, you know, it was just, it was big wheels and, and Bane skateboards. Yeah. That's killer, man. Yeah. That's like, it almost, it almost was, it almost was. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Casey. Hey, thanks for uh, joining us in this podcast. As the dog attacks you. <laughs> yeah. This is the only time your dog's like jumped up and licked your face is. Right. To say, yeah, I, I wish viewers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that is true. The dog always jumps up when we're wrapping up a meeting together. So they knew every they time. Knew it time. It's yeah. it's like sort of unconditional ways or unintentional ways I've conditioned my dogs. You know, over the past <laughs> three years, they know when a meeting's over. 
It's yeah. really crazy. And they, apparently they know this meeting's over. So Casey, man, thank you so much. Thank you, Casey. It was so, it was really great being here. I really appreciate y'all having me at any time. I'd love to Wait. come back. It was a lot of fun. I think I got a regular guest that's going to come on and just, you know, blow our minds with consumer data. I I'll think do, I know. I'll do my best. <laughs> I will never forget that Kia fans love Gary Busey. That will stick with me forever. It's going to haunt you, dude. It's going to haunt you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time.